Well, good morning. Ow, ow, ow. It's good to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 is, six is where we're going to be. And we've been here for a while, so. Um, and we will be, I think. Awesome. Well, it is 4th of July, and it is the United States of America's birthday uh, tomorrow. And um, I know that you've been celebrating, and some of you, or actually a lot of us, end up getting out of this space and going to vacate and get away for the weekend, and that's how we celebrate. And some of you decided to come to church and celebrate. So thank you for being here. Uh, What I want to do is, if you didn't know, we are in Military City. So I know there's a debate on which, which one is actually Military City, but this is Military City. Okay, so this is it, and I think moments like this, holidays and moments like this, we get to really acknowledge and appreciate those who, who have sacrificed, who have fought, who served, who said, hey, I could go into the marketplace and go there, but I'm deciding to join service and serve our country through that. So I'm so grateful that for those men and women who have done that. I'm thankful for our first responders who um, allow this, this ability for safety. If there was a fire in here, they would assure that we all get out. There's, there's this ability of first responders and, and just everybody who helps make this country what it is. And I don't want to take it lightly. As you guys know, I've traveled to the Philippines, and it's an amazing country, but it's different than the United States. And, uh, and we have some things, some pleasures, some privileges in this country that you would not get in other nations. One of those Alyssa touched on, and maybe you saw our church-wide email, but just being able to worship in public is quite a feat. It took a lot of people to make sure that we could worship in public without persecution, without being locked up, without having to go underground. And some of that is is good when you go underground because the gospel really, really spreads under persecution. How many know that's true? We we had we had a a young man from Vietnam in our our seminary, a seminary cohort that we did. And, you know, it's now legal to preach the gospel and have services in Vietnam. But actually, ever since it became legal, there's been a decrease of about 100,000 Christians in the nation. And so the young man up there was praying that, 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 that we would actually be persecuted. And he was sitting there praying for persecution because the gospel was so in him that he wanted to be lived out in others. And he wanted the gospel to spread. I can't imagine praying that prayer, can you? Praying a prayer that would actually invite the persecution of my faith, the persecution of that which I hold true so that the gospel may go forth. It's that level of prayer and that level of excitement in our people, in our churches, in, around the world, in our movement of churches, every nation churches, that level of passion, excitement, and zeal for the gospel to spread, I'm praying that we get some of that. I'm praying that it burns so deep in us that we want to share it with others. That's my prayer. It's what I hope for. So I'm grateful for our country and our and everything that this represents. Not perfect. But man, so many blessings at the same time. 
And yet, I don't want to take it for granted. If we can preach in public and we can worship in public, let us invite others to do so with us. I want to dive into Ephesians chapter 6, and what we have um, petitioned you to do over the last several weeks is to grab Ephesians chapter 6, which is the final chapter in Ephesians, and start praying the armor of God over your life, and that you would start equipping yourself with this armor, and we have tried to eloquently um, describe what this armor is, how it is needed, or why you need it different elements and aspects of this armor that are a reflection of character and blessing of God that he bestows upon us through Christ. And so that's my big prayer is over the next several weeks that you would grab Ephesians chapter 6 and you would start diving into this scripture. I think it'd be so important for us to do so. Now, I will be honest, anytime that the, the, the pastor asks you to read a portion of scripture, it's a little challenging if you're already in your own devotional. Have you found that to be true? I'm reading Psalms right now. I'm I'm in the life of Psalms, reading Psalms. And so to pause to also spend time in Ephesians 6, sometimes I'm like, God, I don't want to. I want to just stay in Psalms. I just want to sit here and soak in Psalms. But I'm asking you just to participate and dive into that. I think it'll be helpful. As we set this up in Ephesians chapter 6, we will be talking about the shield today and what the shield represents and how to take up the shield and what that looks like practically. But when I'm thinking about Ephesians, I'm thinking about this question of why, uh, the why question. We, we have oftentimes gone through the why question. Uh, the, if you have children, you understand the why question more than ever, right? Like, why does the earth spin? Why aren't we floating? Why don't I see aliens, right? Why can't I see God? Why do I have to get my, off my iPad right now? Why do I have to clean my room? Why do I have to go to school? Any whys out there? And it's amazing how in your maturation you don't really grow out of the whys. Why do I have to go to work? Why is the economy this way? Why is gas $5 million a gallon? Why? Why, why am I contributing that? Why with these friendships and maintaining these friendships? Sometimes we even ask ourselves, why this church? Why did God call me to those people? Why is a question that we often ask ourselves and in our, in our economic situation, in our family situation, and even in our political situation. A lot of people have been asking, why did Roe v. Wade get overturned? And for the majority of Christians, Protestants and Catholics are saying, why did it take so long for Roe v. Wade to be overturned? We've all been asking these why questions and wrestling with whys, and, and I'm not going to get into political answers or reasoning or any explaining. I'll just do what I do with my kids. Because that's the way it is. That's what happens. Why questions? Why questions? What I love about God is sometimes he will answer the whys for his people. And not always because we live in the now and not yet. Meaning here's life in the kingdom now. We are fully redeemed. We are fully sealed and we are fully chosen by God and we are God's children But we haven't yet tasted all the victory. 
We haven't yet tasted all the glory and evil has not yet been overthrown in our timetable in that which we live. See, that we live in this in-between. How many of you are exhausted in the in-between? You just get a little exhausted in the in-between. You get a little tired. You get a little tired of all the fighting and, and all the polarizing. And you get a little frustrated. And you get all these questions of why. Why did it happen this way? Why did it happen that way? I know Christian and Diane Adams, uh, Diane they're on our Ignite team, and they serve in our church, and Diane's mom is in a hospice care, and there was a moment, an alarming moment that happened this morning, so Christian had to leave. And I'm sure he's asking the question, why? Why now? Why this time? What's going on? And I want to take one minute just to pray for the Adams family, if you would join me. Father, we thank you for Christian and Diane. Father, and we thank you for Diane's mom. Holy Spirit, you know what's going on with her body, and you know pain and suffering, and you know the way that evil corrupts a body, and you know the deterioration of that, and you know all the pain. And so, Lord, I'm just asking that you would come over the Adams and come over Diane's mom right now. I pray for supernatural peace, supernatural comfort. I pray for healing, and I pray that you would touch her. And touch this family in Jesus' name. Amen. Why is a question we ask often. Thank you for praying. And what I love about Ephesians as we dive into chapter 6, Paul explicitly tells us some questions to the why. The why. As we, as we read Ephesians, we'll, we'll understand this more. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Paul writes in Ephesians, and as Will eloquently said, as Edgar eloquently said, as Austin spoke so well last week, they were all setting up this text for us and explaining it. And I want to keep doing that, for we aren't necessarily exegeting the whole chapter of Ephesians. We're right at the end chapter, but I want to just explain the importance of such this chapter. You see, Paul in this moment says, finally. I'm going to tell you one last thing before I go. First off, in Ephesians, I'm going to tell you how, how, how to sit and that you are seated, right, in the, in the places, in the heavenlies with God. Your position is in Christ. You are seated. And then I'm going to tell you how to walk, therefore, out of being seated in your identity 
through Christ and Christ alone, right? How many of you know we're identified by Christ and not by anything else in our life? He identifies you. And I like cool shirts. This is like Muji. Muji. I'm trying this new look, okay? So, so my, my mentor, uh, Seth Trimmer, there in Portland, he's real cool, and it's all about wearing black shirts, jeans, and some blazers or some nice shoes, right? So I'm trying this look today. I'm trying it out. But how many of you know, like, I'm not Seth. I'll never be Seth. One, he was a D1 athlete. He's 6'5", and he wears a shirt a lot better than me. You see, our identity is not by what we wear or what we identify by. It is by only Christ, and Christ is who we will affirm in each other as long as we have breath in our lungs. I know you say you're fearful, but Christ says you're loved and you're an overcomer. I know you say you're defeated, but Christ says you're victorious. Christ speaking, God speaking over us. So we're seated. We're walking. And in this last chapter, Paul says, finally, it's time to stand. It's time to stand. And aren't you grateful that a God tells us exactly what to do and how to walk and how to stand? There's no longer this reason. Uh, it's one thing when I tell my kid, clean your room. It's another thing when I tell them why. Because if you never clean your room, you become slothful. And if you become slothful through life, right, it may not favor you well. Also, there's things that grow in your sheets, and those will get on you and cause something weird. And then there's like that weird dust underneath the stuffed animal that hasn't been moved in five years, Benson. Do you understand? We just have to clean our room a little bit and order our house because when you can order that house, you'll be able to order other houses, right? I'm teaching them a little bit. I'm telling them the why, but sometimes I don't want to tell them the why. Just do what I said. Be a lot better. Paul doesn't just say, stand firm, period, done. He's not doing some Mr. Miyagi stuff either. Wax on, wax off, jacket on, jacket off. He's not doing any tricks. He's telling us very directly, stand. Why? Because there's evil. Because there's a war. Because there's a weapon coming against your soul and your family. It's dividing marriages. It's confusing children. It's leaving people depressed and anxious. It's putting so much in people. There is a war raging. There's a war. And Paul is telling you, you need to stand because there's a war. Not just stand to trust me. That's not what God's saying. Stand because there's a war. There's something to fight you have to learn to fight. And I'm going to help you. Parents oftentimes shy away from conflict, confrontation. Have you been watching the war in Ukraine? I've been following it pretty closely. My heart's there. Uh, it was in seminary with a couple of pastors from Poland who are receiving refugees, who are ministering, boots on the ground there, helping thousands of people and the war in ukraine 
is incredible. And as I'm seeing this, there's this one alarming thing that I'm troubled with, and I don't really have a, quite a conclusion for. But I'm going to let you in on it and also let you in on the whole idea of should we explain or not explain? Should we equip or not equip? Meaning this, there are parents in this war of children, and they've gone through this, this, this war, and they've gone through this moment, and, and with their children, they explain to them that, that uh, they don't tell them that there's a war right on the outskirts of their city. They tell them there's fireworks, oh, it's just the military practicing, and they bring about this naivety to their children where they don't actually explain that there's a war right outside the gates. I believe that we need to use wisdom in parenting on when we disclose things. How many know that's true? And there's wisdom on how much we disclose and the descriptive of how much we disclose. But how many of you know if we constantly leave our children in naivety, and ignorance, when the war is on their front step, they don't know what to do. And oftentimes, we in the church, not just in the church, in society, and this is um, very much something that we do, is we don't equip very well. We don't, as the Bible would say, train up your children in the way they should go. We don't move into this equipping place, and we don't even let them realize that there's a real enemy and there's real evil, and it's prowling, because we don't want to ensue any unnecessary fear. And I'm not telling you when to do that or how to do it. I think the Holy Spirit will give you direct insight when and how. But what happens is sometimes we get caught too late, we get caught too late, and we've raised up these children, and they end up in college, and when they face, and the bubble is popped, and they face the world, what happens is many of those who grew up in the church in Christ walk away from the church in Christ in college. Therefore, we sponsor a bunch of campus missionaries, and we pay them to get on campus to go evangelize and reach the unchurched and dechurched. It's very challenging right now for us as we move forward on how to equip those around us, and yet also in a leadership position in the church, how to equip you. Do I want our church to stay in this naivety, in this ignorance, or do I want to equip you? So Paul writes in this moment, he says, stand. He says, stand three times in this verse that we just read. Stand three times. Whenever the Bible says something three times, it's important. Pay attention. Maybe go read it a time or two because the author is trying to highlight something for us. That is very important to stand, to stand, therefore stand. Because the enemy is coming, that's the why. Eugene Peterson would write this in the message. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. 
Don't you love that language? For those who like, like to fight, you know, I was a fighter. You love that language. You're like, yes. For you who don't like to fight, you're like, ooh, no. Let me go back to Psalms. You know, so, so this is a moment where, where it's saying, uh, Paul is saying this, finally stand. Why? Because there's a devil. So what must, we, what must we do? We must put on the right clothing. Here he uses armor earlier in Ephesians. He used clothing that you must be clothed in Christ. That our clothing is Christ, and it's not my words, but it's Paul's words speaking this to us out of an encouragement. We must clothe ourselves with Christ, and all these elements of the armor are characteristics and attributes that Christ uh, has upon himself when you clothe yourself. We talked about the belt of truth. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about shoes that bring peace, the good news of the gospel wherever we go. And today I want to talk about maybe a more a defensive weapon rather than just primarily offensive. And it's the shield. Everybody say the shield. It says in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. This metaphor, I love this metaphor, and if you aren't familiar with it, let me just explain it real quickly. The shield is from a Roman guard. As we've been talking about all these pieces of armor, are Paul reflecting and looking upon Roman soldiers as he's in prison, writing this letter to Ephesus to encourage the church to stand firm, to stand in their faith, and he describes the shield, and the shield is four foot high, two and a half foot wide. It has metal all around it. It's covered with leather. That leather you would dip in water, soak it in water so that it could quench fiery darts that were shot against you. It was used in battle to cover your whole full front. And then you would have people holding shields up overhead to cover your head and people on the side to cover you from beside and people in the back to cover you from the back. These shield surrounded you. It covered you and it protected you. This metaphor is amazing as we talk about taking up the shield of faith, that it's powerful, that it's effective, it's a defensive weapon, it quenches darts, it surrounds us. There's much to be said for the shield, and this metaphor is the living reality that Christ is the shield's power. Christ is the shield's power, and the shield of faith is actually Jesus himself. His authority is what quenches the fiery dart shot against the believer. How many of you know that's good news? It's, it's talking about, it's referred to in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, when it talks about Abraham, that God was going to be a shield for Abraham and take refuge in me because I will protect you. In Psalm 1830, the psalmist writes about it. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. This very image of taking up the shield of faith, sometimes we feel like we have to muster up some inner power or some good will thinking or the power of the right mind. But that shield is actually Christ himself and taking him up to be the defender. Protector. 
protector. Isn't that what we sang about this morning? That Jesus being the shield is very amazing and it's humbling. And I love that we're able to do this. But if, we're, if he is the shield and this is the shield, how do we own the shield? Everybody say own the shield. Own the shield. Thank you. Own the shield. You realize putting on Jesus and putting on this shield to own the shield and take up the shield is actually this moment of inserting your faith into what Christ has already done. Meaning that that you have to actually believe that the armor is there. You actually have to believe that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he said he'll do. To own the shield is to trust the shield. And this trust begins to cover you in these moments and in these situations. Faith is synonymous with trust. Trust. How many of us have some trust issues? Like the lights just got a little darker in here, so I can't even see your hand, so you can just raise it. I don't even know that's you admitting to it. We all have different trust issues. Trust. It's like a silk thread between you and God. The fragility of it. Hanging on to this trust. And that trust is what takes you from being absent, ineffective, paralyzed, to known and loved and protected. Ephesians 4.22 tells us about that. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That There's this whole propensity for the church in Ephesus to be deceived and to be given over to their old way of life and their old way of thinking and their old patterns and old behaviors and cultural norms and all these things that are pressuring them to be something other than with Christ. And Paul's saying, clothe yourself. Clothe yourself. Clothe yourself. Take up those clothes and put them on. Covering your shame. Covering all that which is exposed. Don't you love that when you clothe yourself and you take up the shield of faith, it starts to diminish the lies of the enemy? It says that it puts out all fiery darts that are shot against you. That means every accusation and everything that attacks your identity in Christ will be quenched when you hold that shield. Friend, when you can walk like this, you walk victorious like never before. You start walking as God has called you to walk. You start believing it. It's, It's this moment that you believe that this shield will protect you just like the power of God raised Christ from the dead. You believe that the shield will protect you just as the power of God overcame the temptation in the desert when the devil started tempting Jesus. This is the level of authority that you walk in and the power that you walk in. This Holy Spirit power that enables you to walk with a way of accusations won't define you. 
you'll be defined by Christ. Clothing is this moment of covering shame. Think about the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, and when they decided to do life their own way versus God's way, that's when you know you're sinning. When you decide to do your life your way versus God's way. And when, when they were naked and afraid, what did God do? He clothed them. He covered their shame. I'm telling you right now, I put this shirt on this morning knowing that you couldn't see through it. I didn't even have to check. I was like, oh, that shirt, no one could see through that. So I put on the shirt, and you know what? I walk as though you can't see through this shirt. Praise God for you, and praise God for me. I walk in such a way that all my shame is covered. Anything exposed, anything vulnerable is covered this morning. Praise the Lord for that. You see, when you clothe yourself in Christ and you take up a shield, you start walking in a way, and you start moving in such a way where you can stand knowing when somebody says lies against you. You're naked, naked, you're afraid, you're despised, you're insignificant, you're not worthy. Say, oh no, man, I'm clothed, I'm good. It's all good. 1 John 5, 4 says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. This faith in Christ, this being clothed with Christ and taking up the shield of faith allows you to be an overcomer in the world. Question for you. Are you walking around overcoming or defeated? Are you walking around with your head held high, not out of pride, but only because you boast about Christ and Christ alone? Or are you walking around maybe with your head high out of pride, but internally Shameful, defeated, bewildered, confused, unknown, wondering, searching, seeking. Oh, maybe that will define me over there. Let me try that. Oh, maybe what they're doing will be my definition. Let me try that. You see the difference when you are clothed with Christ and you're holding up the shield of faith. You become this way where you start owning your shield. And you don't just own the shield occasionally. You own the shield always. Everybody say always. You always own the shield. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. You know, I've saluted the military, but there's something called a weekend warrior. It's a good advertisement ploy, right? Lakeisha, where, where, you, where you get the weekend warrior, where you get the reserve, where they come in once a month and, you know, sometimes they get a little extra pay. And if you're in reserves, God bless you. I'm not trying to attack you. This is a bad analogy, but I'm going with it. And, and, and what happens is you kind of get a little lazy. You know, maybe you're a maybe you're weekend warrior. Maybe you're on reserves for firefighting, volunteering. Or maybe you're on weekend reserves, you know, for something else. It's easy to just kind of slack a little bit on your PT. And then you realize, oh, man, training's coming. So you do a quick workout. You eat really good. You keto for two weeks. And then you're good to go. fascinating thing about it is evil doesn't take a break in all circumstances take up the shield of faith in every way take up the shield second timothy 4 2 paul would encourage timothy to preach the word and be ready in season and out of season 
Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Always be ready, Timothy. Always be ready. Let your let your um, the way you speak be seasoned with salt, that that it would be so tasteful for those who don't believe yet, that it would be enticing because Jesus is really enticing. He's really amazing. He's loving and he's inviting and he's one who ate with sinners and went with the lowly. He went with those who were downcast and he went with the outcast and he hung out with them and he told them, I know a way that's better than the way that you're living right now and it's to be clothed with me. To be with me. Faith on the shield always means to trust always. Always trust. The fourth thing, as we close this morning, I want to let you know is loan the shield generously. Loan it out generously. When Paul is using this, this living metaphor, this metaphor of a shield, and he's using it, what he's using this as is not just an individual piece, but it's actually a piece for the whole unit. This is one of the only pieces for the entire unit. You see, the shield is positioned in such a way that the person next to you has a shield as well, and it covers the other person. And enough shields put together actually ends up being a wall that pushes the enemy back. It's also this moment where, where those who are in the front line, the second line holds shields above so every dart shot won't hit the person holding the shield in the front and the head. It protects them. It's this, it's this moment when unity happens in the church and in the body, when our faith begins to come about and we clothe ourselves with Christ. It's not just for us, but it's for the person on your left and the person on your right. Go ahead and look at the person on your left. Acknowledge them. See them as human. See them as the Imago Dei, the image of God. God breathed life into their very essence. And they're created in his image. And look to your right and see the person. See the person that you're with this morning worshiping. See the person that's next to you says, I want to do life with you. I want to do community. I'm in this battle with you. And as you see them, you begin to get a heart for them and your love begins to grow and your faith begins to leap. So I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to help you. Husbands and wives in here, I know that you just looked at your spouse. And there's this moment you realize that they may be being hit in a powerful way right now. Maybe it's with some kind of addiction. Maybe it's some kind of worth, self-worth that they're dealing with. Maybe it's some pain that they're going through. Maybe it's some inadequacies that are happening in their life. I want to tell you, hold that shield up. And let faith start coming over and covering them. Start covering them. Start covering them. How do you do that? You cover them with prayer. You cover them with petition. You cover them by what we're going to talk about next week, speaking life into one another. You cover them by believing for them. You cover them by protecting them. Parents, over your children, 
Are you holding your shield up for your children? I'm telling you, the, the evil one, Satan does not take a break. He is firing arrows at the next generation like never before. Are we holding a shield up for them? Are we protecting them and believing for them, having faith for them? Show them who Christ looks like. Show them how to wear the armor. Show them how to pray, how to read the Bible, how to study, how to abide in him. There's a war going. And Satan is funding his war. He's funding his war through the principalities, the darkness, the evil one. He's using doubt and despair and depression and unholy living and unworthy thoughts and lust and passions of self. He's doing all this to undermine the unity of Christ. To undermine your faith. The devil wants to undermine Jesus' authority. The now and not yet. Satan is working overtime. We don't walk in fear. We walk in love. We don't walk trepidly because Jesus is already moving. The one thing that we do when we take up the shield, taking up the shield is trusting in the shield. Trust the shield. Trust that God is working for you. Trust that God is fighting your battles. There's this saying that happened in war when the Romans went out, they would take their sword and their shield and their armor and they would go out to war. And the saying goes like this. From the women of the husbands who are going to fight battle, they would say, with your four foot, two and a half foot shield, I want you to come home with your shield, not on your shield. Meaning oftentimes they would take the dead back, putting them on the shields and carrying them as coffins. I want you to come back with your shield and not on your shield. Church, if we're going to be the family of God that God's called us to be, walking in faith and clothing ourselves in Christ and being that full unity for others and generously giving to them and helping them fight. It reminds me of Jude 1, one of my favorite verses. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. When we clothe ourselves with Jesus and we're grabbing the shield and we're putting that trust, don't forget to soak the shield this week. Meaning this, the longer you abide and the more time you spend and the more time you know, you find that your shield just has extra quenching power. 
and I know that we would have to exegete this all the way through the scripture to show you how, but, but there's this important reflection in John chapter 15 that says this, abide in me. Jesus is telling his disciples, abide, abide, abide in me as I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Abide in him this week. Literally going to him. I'm here. I'm with you. I want to know you. As you know me. I want to pray for you this morning. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. The shield of faith. I love that we can't save ourselves. Those who don't know Christ are lost at sea. And you don't have enough energy to muster up the swimming power to make it to land. You don't have enough energy to call uh, some help lifeline. Uh, that you put in place to get yourself out of the situation. When you're lost, you're at sea and a rescuer comes. And when the rescuer comes, he throws down a life jacket and I don't know how it works necessarily, but there's this moment where you put the jacket on and they pull you up. And whether God puts the life jacket on down for you and he's snapping it together and he's lifting you up and you're, you're waving your arms or there's this participatory moment where you're helping put the life jacket on. But regardless, it is God who pulls you up. He rescues you. He does the saving. It is him and him alone who saves you, who rescues you. And this morning you may find yourself beat up and the evil one has come against you. I would just ask you to look up. Say, God, I need a lifeline. I need you to throw it down. And the Lord in his great power and great mercy comes and he helps you. And he saves you. For those of us who are confused about how to raise our children and how to love our spouses, how to walk out a holy single life, this is a moment where you're just asking, God, I trust you. Shield me. Psalms 18. He is a refuge. Get behind the shield. Be clothed. Find refuge. Find peace. God bless your church this morning. Touch them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Church, would you please stand with me? What a wonderful word this morning. I know I feel blessed by that. We have a couple of announcements this morning. Number one, if you are new to Luminous Church or you're not even new and maybe just been waiting for Growth Track to come, we have Growth Track next Sunday at 8.30 in the morning, okay? 
So this is a way for you to get connected. It's a way for you to, you know, learn how to serve and really learn about who we are as a congregation as well. Um, I think Sean, there you go. Thank you so much. Um, the QR code is up here so you can scan that and then it'll send you to a link as well. Um, another thing that you can do with this QR code is scan it because next Saturday, everyone say next Saturday, all my women in here, we are having a, what we call a ladies bunko brunch. So we'll be having a brunch at La Madeline, and that's going to be next Saturday from 9 a.m. to 12, and it'll be $10. You can actually sign up using this link as well. It's live and ready to go, so make sure that you get in there, pay your $10, and have some fun. I know us as moms, even some as single ladies, we've been looking at, for ways just to connect together. So make sure that you take advantage of these times this summer to connect with the ladies of Luminous Church. And then lastly, if you need prayer for absolutely anything, maybe that was you today saying, you know, my shield is not soaked and I, I need some help with that. Or maybe today you made that decision that you want to be free in Christ. Make sure that you get with our prayer workers right here in the middle of the aisle and they will pray with you today. And then before we leave, guys, please, whether you're doing fireworks legally or legally, watch your hands, okay? Make sure you watch your hands. I saw some x-rays of some firework hands, and you do not want to be that person, okay? We love you. Enjoy your family, and we will see you next weekend.